one chance. Take the Lord Marshal's offer and bow. I bow to no man. He's not a man. He's a holy half-dead who's seen the Underverse. Look, I'm not with everyone here. But I will take a piece of him. Welcome, this is Beyond the Hate. I'm Stephen B. Riddick, convict, <laughs> murderer. <laughs> and I am uh, John I- Imam, the, the holy man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's, uh, it's, uh, it's about time we get to, uh, you know, one of our favorite characters, especially in sci-fi, is uh, Richard B. Riddick. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, this this movie uh this was actually chosen by AJ because uh we we uh, totally skipped and fucked up his birthday so yeah we messed that up he picked yeah. this movie and then he couldn't be here tonight cause yeah he has work obligations and stuff like that work related so. bullshit is yeah. what we call it so um uh, but no he couldn't be here but this is AJ's pick he wanted to uh he wanted us to cover uh Chronicles of Riddick so we were figured like well shit we're down because we both like this movie. And yeah. it's one of our favorite characters, even going back to Pitch Black. So no um, harm. This uh, this episode is dedicated to AJ, though. So yeah. Happy who's, birthday, late birthday. So this is probably halfway through his uh, sleep right now. Yeah, <laughs> as we record this, got to be at work at three a.m. That's some um, bullshit. <laughs> rain out suck. Yeah, uh, <laughs> construction sucks, dude. No, uh, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. We, uh, since this movie is one of our favorites, we went back to one of our old favorites, uh, for beer. This is one we've done on a previous episode, um, which depending on when you listen to this might be posted or might not be, I don't yeah. know who gives so a fuck. right now it could be new or it could be old name, but it's dragon's milk. And we just cannot recommend this enough. It's the three out of three that we rate I, uh, I give it a four out of three it's fucking amazing uh, five thousand is... out of three like you really can't get any better at making beer the guys at um new holland brewing company yeah new holland brewing company know exactly how to make a beer and this is holland michigan yep um it's 11 percent alcohol so a couple will... of these will you'll start to feel it because they only they only produce them in like a four pack you only really need four of them I mean, me and Steve are splitting this four pack, so you know we're yeah. gonna be feeling it. But this is a—it's fucking amazing beer because it's a bourbon barrel uh, stout, like we usually like. Yeah, I think that's our favorite type of beer to drink is something that's made out of a bourbon barrel or any type yeah. of barrel. I think that we we really love it. Pumpkin barrels, yeah. Bourbon barrels. Uh, the there best. was the one uh, that I got that was made in the Jim Beam barrels. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty good. Um, we're going to have to try to find some more places around here, but if you listen to a lot of our episodes, we, we do have a lot of good beer and we're not going to recommend any of this stuff if it's not actually good. Yeah. Cause um, when I buy, whenever I buy the beer for the show, if it's my turn to get the, uh, specialty beer, 
I just usually get it straight up blind. I have no clue what any of these are like. And if it if it tastes like like Satan's bathwater, we're gonna tell you. <laughs> yeah, we'll if say it's awful. this is awful. We had that one where we just could not. Summer like, love. Summer love. Yeah, we, we just could. It's memorable because we yeah, both. We, we like, just could not like say enough about do not drink that beer. Right. It's like unless you hate yourself. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing love or summer about it. It's yeah. Just disgusting. And that was uh, that was for true romance, wasn't it? Yeah, I think the yeah, I think it was. It was like our so one of the worst beers for one of our best episodes. Yeah, for one of our favorite <laughs> movies, and and it, it almost <sighs> makes us want to redo the whole episode because the beer was bad. But right, we're not going to do that. It was a great episode. No, it was a great episode. Um, if anything, is that post it uh, on our uh, new stuff. Uh, no, I do have I do have uh, pretty much all those uh, back episodes. Uh, some things are coming. If you don't know, uh, if you're some of our old listeners, we were on SoundCloud. Didn't really work out there, so we... It was a bad relationship. We had to get out of it. Yeah. You know, it's like an abusive relationship. It's like Rihanna and Chris Brown. Right. <laughs> they were just beating us in our face, and we said, we've had enough. Because we uh, basically... We spent... Because uh, this is technically our anniversary. This is like our... We've been doing this shit for one year. One year. Here, here. <laughs> dilly, dilly. Dilly, dilly. <laughs> we got to have a bottle clean. <laughs> dilly, dilly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Captain... Oh, Captain. Yeah. As, uh, are we are we doing poetry right now? What the fuck? I don't know. Who I, do you, we don't I fucking just, know. I was just trying to remember uh, some of the cheer sayings. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess cheers would be one. Right, yeah. <laughs> Norm! Uh, Norm! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's a cheer. That uh, is a cheer. But yeah, we've been doing this for like a year now. And so and, there's a... Uh, uh, also, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, rest in peace, legendary Stanley. Stanley, yeah, uh, ninety-five years old. Um, it is sad to see him go, but it was not a tragic life. Fortunately, he had a great life. He lived a long-ass life too. He was ninety-five and a long life, and he will never, ever be forgotten. It's just not even possible. No. So, well, when you um, think about like uh, you know Marvel Comics and what he added to the comic industry and what he added to the comic movie making industry with Marvel yeah, Studios and all him that, and Jack Kirby, uh, yeah, especially you know because Stan Lee got his break. Uh, reinventing Captain America. Uh, and that's kind of what made him famous. And then his biggest character was probably Spider-Man that he's ever created. And he's created a bunch of big characters in his life. But I, I would think comic book wise, you know, Spider-Man's one of the highest selling comic books of all time. Yeah. Uh, and then and, even now, uh, cause you know, stuff like black Panther. Yeah, Black yeah. Panther, which wasn't as high selling in the day, but it was very progressive and cultural is very, very yeah. especially nowadays. It's very ahead of its time. Yeah, uh, nowadays Black Panther is blowing the box office up. So ya Bombay, ya Bombay, <laughs> Wakanda forever. Um, but yeah, he, he uh, yeah, it's just like because uh, I was I was just in the middle of work and I I think I just got through doing something and i was like okay let me see what's going on with my phone because i heard like the little chirp where i got like a notification i looked down and like fucking steven texted me he's like stan lee died i was like fuck well that kind of goes the rest of my day i feel kind of bad now i was like damn man yeah it was like skipping and whistling on the floor like you know how people do whenever they work in retail right like, <laughs> another thing you guys do yeah uh-huh. uh-huh. yeah sure <laughs> 
What do you What do you mean that this is that this, this isn't on sale? Well, I'm sorry, yeah. you, you can't read. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I have this this uh sales paper from November, sir. That's November of 2011. Yeah, <laughs> that shit. That shit has Skyrim in it. <laughs> Skyrim is it in there. It says brand new game. Skyrim. Yeah, that's fucking seven years ago. Speaking of anniversaries, uh, fucking Skyrim's seven years old now. Oh my god. Yeah, we've been playing Skyrim for seven years. Straight. I was playing it today. Yeah, no, I, I, Still I just haven't stopped. Still haven't beat the game. Still haven't beat it. No, yeah. just kidding. People so what happens with Alduin? No, I've, I've, I've kicked Alduin's ass like five times, I think. <laughs> That'd be hilarious with if, different we played, characters. if we played that game for seven years and still haven't beat it. Yeah, I'd be like, dudes, you guys, like my, like my dudes, my dudes, you still have not beat Alduin? No, man. What the fuck happens? What, is, a, what is an Alduin? <laughs> yeah, what is Alduin? The big fucking dragon that the, destroyed the, the town when you were about to get executed? Yeah. Oh, 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 okay. The only one, the only one that I really remember is the one that's up on the mountain. You know, the the Parthenax. Yeah, <laughs> it's like really. It's like how the fuck do you remember Parthenax? One, you remember Alduin? What the <laughs> hell? Uh, but uh, oh, I, it's like I remember the one ice dragon that attacked me like at the first of the game. It took me like twenty five arrows to kill that thing. Yeah, it's like you know that's Alduin, right? And it's <laughs> like, are you talking about the one after uh, like when you discover you're the Dragonborn? No, I'm just talking one? about a random one that comes. Oh, oh okay. Like, cause I, I literally like killed that one, and then I was on my way to the the um, well, like Greybeards. Yeah, you're going up to the mountain. I was going up to the, the mountains, and then an ice dragon attacks me there. I killed it like super easy though. Barely an inconvenience. Barely an inconvenience, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that dragon was like, whoops, whoopsie. Whoopsie. Um, but <laughs> I'd love to see Ryan George do a uh, Skyrim uh, uh, pitch meeting. Pitch yeah. Meeting. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like okay, so you have a video game for me. And it's like, yes, sir, I do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anybody listening, if y'all haven't seen the pitch meetings, you guys need to check it out. It's hilarious. It's Screen all- rant on YouTube, pitch yeah. meeting, Ryan George, hook that shit up. Yeah, it's all in good fun. All of his videos are really good. He works hard on that stuff. Before we get started, I had an interesting question I wanted to ask. It's not really interesting. Okay. Um, <laughs> who is the least uh, likely to form... Um, yeah, who is the least likely to form the New World Order? Are we talking about like the political New World Order or like yeah, yeah, the, the wrestling? Politi- the political New World Order. Okay, because I was like, I have, okay, if we're I talking wrestling, choice. that's a different conversation. Yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, the political New World Order. Who is the least likely? Google, Donald Trump, the United Nations, or EA Sports? EA. <laughs> because they can't program themselves. They can't program anything worth a shit. So. Okay, now who is the most likely out of the same questions, but add Kevin Nash. Still be EA. <laughs> <laughs> They're the most likely to form the uh, uh, New World Order? Oh, oh, you mean like in the opposite? Oh, who's yes. the most likely to form it? Yes. Yeah, definitely Big Sexy. Big Sexy. I figured Kevin Nash. Everybody needs to look out for him. Conspiracy theorist? Yeah. New World Order already exists. It's yeah. ran by Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash, yeah. <laughs> Okay. The wolf pack. Oh, <laughs> don't mess with the wolf pack. It might end up in a body bag. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. But uh, we're not here to talk about Skyrim or Kevin Nash or any shame. of this other shit. It's a Although shame. that would be pretty funny. I could literally. Talk we eventually about that could do an episode <laughs> because we we've really only done like one video game, like technically so far, which was Final Fantasy VII. 
But we could do one on Skyrim if I can ever find. I probably could find hate on Skyrim. Oh man, we could probably do a whole episode on Skyrim since it is like the seven year anniversary. That would have to be like probably like a three parter though, like because there's so much. There's so game. much shit to do in that game. Like, yeah, there would be so much if people actually hated that game. There'd be so much to complain about. Right. So, but I might I might look and see if that's even feasible. You know, one of these days. If we could do something like that, because with video games, a lot of times, because there's so many things in it, you have to you have to boil everything down to its essence. And you got to make sure if we do it, like it's just not a lot of people that just wasn't good at the game. Right. Complaining about this it. game like, is stupid. Why is smithing so hard? It's like smithing isn't hard, dumbass. You know, it's you like just have to do it. Right. Like a lot of times. <laughs> and also, and if you don't want to do smithing, don't do it, because a lot of times you can find good enough armor just to, you know. You just find it. They don't make you have to smith. That's just if you want your own little personal look. Yeah, if you want to make your own shit. If you want to wear some other armor, because I went through a whole game where I just wore armor I found and stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, I customize all my shit. Every character I make has to have smithing. That's just how I am. I like to build my own fucking armor and shit. I like to enchant my own shit with magic. I like to discover maps. That's what I spend my time on. Like, every little cave and crevice Mm -hmm. and everything. Like... You'll look at my maps on Skyrim and like everything is explored. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, so we're here to talk about the Chronicles of Riddick and Chronicles of Riddick. I think it's, it's, uh, it's one of those movies that it's, uh, it, it I think doesn't it have the high, you might have the notes, but isn't it the highest budget that they've done for a Riddick movie? Well, it does have a budget of 105 million. So okay. yeah, it would, because the Riddick movie that they did after this, which was like 10 years later, like 2013 Riddick. Yeah. yeah uh, nine years later, nine years um, later. Yep. Uh, was very low budget. I think it was like something like $20 million or something like that. Um, and then what was Pitch Black? Do you remember? Probably around the same, probably Roughly. fifteen million, something like that. Because that was uh, that was pretty much the uh, movie that put Vin Diesel on the map. He's been in movies before then, but that was the one where like, oh shit, like Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he was in Saving Private Ryan, and he had a great role in that. Yeah. Um, sucks how he gets killed because he's just kind of like shot in the gut and just kind of lay in there. Nobody can save him. Yeah. Sucks. That's kind of a shit way to go. Yeah, you're right. But, uh, it, it, the thing, and I guess it just depends on what you want to, uh, well, I guess we'll go ahead. We'll, we'll go into this since we're talking about the other brick movies like pitch black and just yeah. Riddick. So I'll go into this. Uh, one of the things that I, that I saw when I was going through the notes is almost, Every person that liked Pitch Black fucking hated this. If they didn't like Pitch Black, then they they kind of like this. It's weird how. Well, I don't get that because yeah, you can, I don't get it either. You can vouch for this. Uh, Pitch Black is probably one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah, like I literally Steve got put like, me onto it because he watched it like twenty times before he told me about it, and then yeah. got me to watch it. You know, and then I was like, I'm. You know, John bought like some special edition of it for me for Christmas one year because uh, I was uh, really obsessed with Pitch Black. And then this came out, and I was like, "Well, this is kind of different." It's but, Riddick, but it's a different circumstance. Yeah, but to me, one of the best parts of this movie is when he's in the prison, Cremoria. 
crematoria yeah Yeah, crematoria and i was like that whole thing that goes on in that sequence is fucking awesome that's the best to me that's the best part of the movie crematoria yeah like all the stuff that goes on in there and we'll we'll get into that too because people had some fuck load of problems about crematoria but we're gonna get to that eventually so the man jack is sexy as fuck (laughs) yeah it's kira now and she's a different animal (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Who would have thought that like the weird Jack character from the first movie would end up looking like that? It's like, damn, okay. Yeah. Do you think, girl? <laughs> but uh, so mean, he's killing people with teacups to protect that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you definitely have to. Um, death by teacup. Uh, <laughs> so uh, also, just randomly, since we're on that, I like how he gets the uh, he gets the uh, the the thing from the can the and puts can it on the ro- her, the yeah. little handle he puts that on the rock and those two guys are like no nah, fuck you that get the fuck out of here we're getting the fuck they out of here the they grab like, the other dude away. and they're just like let's get the fuck out of here uh, <laughs> it's like dude i'm not gonna get stabbed in the neck by one of those little fucking uh uh can handle things from some soup it's like fuck that i'm not going out like that I'm not dying here like this. He's intimidating as shit. He's intimidating as fuck, man. Um, it's just because of like his, I guess it's, it's just the way that Vin Diesel's like he, the way he looks as Riddick with his eyes, and he has like even just like when he when he has the goggles off, definitely because you could see the shine in his eyes. Yeah, he has the awesome voice. Yeah, but then even when he has the goggles on, people like you know people almost think that he's like not like a real mm-hmm. person, like he's a robot or something. He's like crazy. But anyway, um. But uh, so a Furian, which is basically like a Saiyan. Yeah. So we're going to get to that right here. <laughs> so it says uh, the Riddick in Pitch Black is one of the best characters ever conceived in sci-fi because of its of his simplicity. There was nothing special about him. He was a hardened criminal making stuff up as he went along, caring for no one but himself. Even his night vision is something he got from a doctor in prison in exchange for 20 packs of cigarettes. The movie itself took place in a shitty corner of the galaxy no one cares about. It was a big breath of fresh air from all the other movies where the entire universe seems to revolve around the characters. Then in Chronicles of Riddick, they made him into a Furian, some sort of super warrior race that was wiped out by the big bad Necromongers. And a supreme, and now he's a supreme chosen one with magic and mysticism everywhere. And now Riddick is a master schemer slash strategist with a heart of gold. Pitch Black on its own was a great sci-fi movie due to its unique story. This, on the other hand, is its dumb, annoying younger brother who fights a lot with an empty head over his body. Sequels are often bad, but this is very, very bad. After watching Pitch Black, uh, I had high hopes for this movie. However, I was greatly disappointed. This film, if you can call it that, is just utter shit. <laughs> well, okay. So first thing, I mean, the the Furians uh, were based on... Spartans, basically, they're like sci-fi's Spartans. Yeah, and also um, kind of like Saiyans, and Saiyans too. I'm just saying, like, because everything I said that to get to the 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 point of what the Necromongers are supposed to be. Yeah, and uh, they're supposed to be kind of like the Roman Empire. Right. Yeah, I could see that, and that's of- why this in the story that it's actually written is uh, you have the plotting behind the Lord Marshal's back. Yeah, because that happened all the time with the Caesars. Caesars. Yeah, <laughs> I got that, that vibe yeah. from watching this. I was like, you know, the the Furian race is basically united because the you know it's like you don't really see much of them. You just see 
the 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 lady that that comes to Riddick in his head is like a vision, which and I'm stuff. guessing is his mother. Possibly, it might be his mother. That's what I was because she she has like the same kind of skin tone as Riddick, so I kind I either thought that she was mom or she was like a sister. Her sister, yeah, maybe. Uh, but I guess at the time when everything happened and Furia was was wiped out by the Necromongers and they converted or killed you know everybody. Um, well, all answers will be revealed because they are making a Furia movie. Ooh, okay. Well, that's that's good to know. That's going to be the end of the Riddick story. The Riddick story. Okay. But uh, it's like when you see her in like his uh, his visions or whatever in his head. Um, I kind of got the feeling that yeah, she's supposed to be related to him because she she kind of has the same skin tone yeah. and everything. And uh, so, but yeah, could be mom, could be sister. I don't know. I don't think they ever actually explained. They who don't she's say anything about that. I was thinking mom, but that would make sense. Been, yeah, yeah. Um, like, uh, and another funny thing was uh, the dame Judy Dench uh, literally was the first person that was casted because Vin Diesel. Wanted her in the movie, no matter what, and told her that he wasn't going to cast anybody else unless she said yes. No, okay. He basically told her, we're not doing this movie unless you say yes. Okay. So that's why uh, Arion ends up being such a kind of a big part of the movie. Well, she narrates part of the movie. Yeah. And he narrates the other part of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she's narrating kind of like the overall storyline, and he's narrating his own storyline. Yeah, from the Riddick point of view. Yeah. But I think that, you know, that was the thing, is that a lot of people were like, man, Riddick was so much more simple and pitch black, and now now he's just like this, you know, chosen one, and he's like the last fury and child and all that kind of stuff, and, and those sort of things, and people were just like pissed off about it. But, you know, it, it's like... Um, you know, to me, it, it reminds me a lot of like the Saiyans because Planet Vegeta, Vegeta was blown up by what Frieza? Didn't Frieza mm-hmm. blow up Planet Vegeta, or was it Cell that blew it up? Was it was Frieza, wasn't it? Uh, that blew it. Uh, that blew up Planet Vegeta. Yeah, that's the whole. Yeah, that's the. Whole, that was Frieza, right? Yeah, that's yeah. The whole reason. Um. So basically, you know, that leaves Vegeta. He's the prince of all Saiyans, and he's basically like the only one left. Or he's the only one left of the, like the nobility, I guess, because his father was killed on planet Vegeta. Yeah, wouldn't he be the king of all? Saints, he would be so. the king, but out of respect, he still treats himself as the prince because his dad did not give him title of king yet. That makes sense. His dad died before he was able to give him the mantle of king. You know, it would almost be like, uh, like say Odin dies in like the Thor movies before he's able to say that Thor is able to take his throne and he'll be the king of Asgard. That's kind of the vibe that I got. Well, no, what it is, is uh, it's a direct ripoff of Superman. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, as much as I like uh, Dragon Ball Z, that is a direct ripoff of Superman. And Kakarot or Goku is basically Superman and Vegeta is General Zod. Zod, yeah, mm mm-hmm. I mean, except in this, General Zod just ends up mellowing out and gets married and has a kid named Trunks and shit. I don't think Vegeta ever mellows out. No, he doesn't he really just kind mellow. Of accepts that that there's other fights other than fighting his own. Pretty much, like, yeah. He pretty much decides that Goku was a worthy opponent after the end of their their fight or whatever. Which Goku kind of won because of Gohan, but. You know, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sometimes you got to have your kid help you, you know. 
Yeah, but he, he just kind of respected the fight. And then when he came back, he was on their side because they were fighting Frieza then. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I fucking hate this guy. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, I'll, I'll work with you guys. It's like, I'm not, I'm not totally like friends with you necessarily, but the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And then so. Boma threw that blue pussy on him and <laughs> yeah. he, he was pretty much. And then boom, we got Team, Go- team Goku. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he was like, I'm not going to fight you because you're friends with Boma. Yeah. That's wifey. Yeah, basically. It's uh yeah, who would think that like the Prince of All Sands would get like, you know, he would get married with a, a human woman like Bulma. It's just weird, but you Bulma know. was awesome though. But uh, but anyway, back to Riddick. <laughs> yeah, but back but, to Riddick. But, I, I totally thought, and this might be weird, like because there's always some like sexual tension between Riddick and people in a lot of the movies. Oh, yeah, like yeah. in the first Pitch Black movie, it was the uh-huh. the chick that was helping escort with Johns or whatever. Also, shout out to Cole Hauser for being one of the best villains. Yeah. Uh, and then, sci-fi history, maybe like and John's. Then, and this one, he has like, well, I think the main one that he has was with, with uh, Dame Vaco. Vaco, yeah, yeah, well, Dame Vaco, Lady well, Vaco. Uh, uh, yeah, and Tandy Newton's character, Dame Vaco. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, yeah, he has the sexual tension with her. Then the mercenary chick that's like smelling on in him and Tombs stuff. In Tombs' crew, in Tombs' crew, yeah. yeah. Which yeah, I was, he was like, was, you grind your teeth at night. Yeah, he's like, you know, you Sick. grind your teeth at night. Sexy. Sexy, and she's like, Shit, can... and she was over there, like, smelling them and stuff, right? Though. Yeah, like, you know, it's so when like you first see that, you're like, Okay, this chick, like, it's, it's there's, there's something about him in particular because Dame Vaco almost does the same thing where she's like, She can't almost think about anything else other than Riddick when he's around, so it makes you wonder if there's, there's something about like the Fury and Bloodline. That, I think like, it's actually Riddick because of his primal nature, okay, attracts women, maybe. Well, they even because he's even uh, called a breeder during the movie too. That's how the Necromongers yeah. refer to him. They refer to him as a breeder, as a breeder. Yeah. So it's like, you know, uh, but that's the thing. And even in the in the uh, the 2013 Riddick movie, it's a uh, doll. The, oh the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the he tells her person. what she's gonna do at the end of the movie, and she does just that. Right. Yeah. He was like, he was like, I won't give it to you until you want it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because like he uh, always has that that uh, appeal, right? But I think that it's uh, it, it, for a lot of people if they'd seen Pitch Black and then they saw this, it's like a lot of them were disappointed somehow by the fact that he wasn't just like a simple dude anymore. He wasn't just a convict that was like really skilled at killing people. He was he was actually more like cosmically important because of like his bloodline and his race and his planet and everything. I just don't think there's any way that you could have thought he's just a regular dude. I mean, he was slaughtering these freaking uh, aliens in the first one. Yeah. Like, he was destroying them. Like, I mean, it's just hard to think he would just be a normal convict. Yeah, I think sometimes, like, with, uh, with some of these characters, I think especially when you when you know that he's like a Furian or whatever. It's like the only time that he even uses any of, I guess, like his Furian-type powers or whatever is when he, he has that explosion that comes out of his body when he's surrounded by the Necromongers, when they're, they're on Crematoria and they're just about ready to, like, they're trying to escape, and they get confronted by uh, Vako and his guys. 
and uh, Commander Vako, or Lord Vako is what he's named. Uh, yeah, and uh, he has that Furion like like his blood starts to like go crazy, and then he has that like pulse blast, and it like kills everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's like the only time he actually uses what we assume is like part of his Furion power or whatever it is. Yeah, and um, so it's not like it's overwhelming. His eyes aren't surgical either. Yeah, if you didn't catch on to that part, like, right? Like he's told that story in Pitch Black, just bullshitting with people. Like that's just Furion. Because even even uh, Kira calls him out on it, and yeah. she was like, uh, "There's no uh, doctor to you know that give can, me a surgical shine that can job. Add the shine to my eyes, you know." He basically just told people that so that they would just think like, "Oh, he just got some like really cool surgery done to the." Was it the the cones or the rods in his eyes? I forgot what it was. I forget too. Because uh, um, shit, is it the is it the the, the rods? You get the rods removed in his eyes, and it only leaves the cones. He doesn't say specifically. I, I mean, I think he does say in Pitch Black, actually, doesn't he? I don't think he says it in Pitch Black. He might say it in Riddick. Oh, okay. Well, shit. Okay, because I thought I'm pretty sure I saw. He might. I, I mean, think he's, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna disagree completely because it's been a while. It's been a while since I've seen Pitch Black. Like, so I've I'm, seen. I've seen this movie today, so I know about this movie. Yeah, me say too. It, but Pitch Black's been a little while. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, he just told people that, and Kira eventually figured out that he was just bullshitting her. And you know, it's like that's the thing about Riddick is that. You know, he he's always had this since he was a kid. But in order to explain it to people, so that they under, so that they don't, I guess they don't question it. He just says like, yeah, you know, I was in jail or I was in prison, and I got some uh, doctor in there to do this, and I traded, I swapped them, you know, swapped the surgery for you know some packs of cigs, and, yeah, and people are like, okay, well, that seems like that makes sense. Like it seems plausible enough that you're like, okay, that sounds like it makes sense. You just move on. You don't question the fact that it's fucking eyes are completely silver you know yeah and um see a lot of a lot of people don't know that uh riddick was in a military and he was a highly ranked military person and then he was frames or something that the johns did yeah (laughs) which is why they're mortal enemies yeah kind of thing except the dad the dad was actually cool um and uh, that's why he escapes prisons and stuff like that. But he was supposed to be like a strategical officer or something like that whenever he was in the military. Yeah. So that would explain why he is the strategist that he is and he can formulate yeah. plans. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like how he even likes gets to Cremoria and they, they're like, uh, what are you, a inmate or a convict or whatever? He's like, me? I'm just passing through. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Uh, uh, I, uh, yeah, I always thought that that was interesting because it's like, he's, he's one of those people that it's like, you put him in a situation, he will figure out how to get out of it. You know, that's why he's so good at escaping out of like prisons and stuff like that because of his ability to think ahead. Well, even when they're taking the, and going down that tunnel in Cremoria, he's like, 29.4 kilometers <laughs> you know like yeah at the end of it it's like he he could tell how far that was based on the number of lights that he could yeah. see yeah and also like how he, he sort of he keeps seeing like the, the lights go by and they have like the little concrete things and he just like he just pushes that guy up in yeah. and it <laughs> breaks his neck 
Yeah, and, and then, it falls off, and then Tombs kind of looks away, and then you see Riddick like shrug his shoulder, and Tombs is like, four-way split! <laughs> <laughs> Fucking mercenaries. Yeah, they guard. just don't give a shit, man. There's no loyalty at all. It's like, they're just kind of like, well, Riddick fucking off that guy, so four-way split, bitches. Four-way split! That just means more money for everybody else, yeah. Um, but, uh, so, uh, the one thing, well, I guess we can go ahead and get into this since we're talking about like uh, Riddick being a, a very proficient killer. Yes. <laughs> so is. he's a very proficient killer. He kills basically everything, uh, that he gets around. So, uh, that was one of the things that people fucking hate about this movie <laughs> was that, uh, there's just, there's way too much violence in this movie, what? way too much killing, way too much death. So, <laughs> and you guys can't see it right now, but Steve's face is making, he just has this weird face going on right now where he's like, what the fuck? This movie? Yeah. People just thought it was too violent. So. Fucking uh, pussies. Right. <laughs> so, so I'll go ahead and get into this, into this next section here. Um, now that we've established that this movie isn't like pitch black because there's more story going on here. There's more overall story for Riddick. So, uh, this section, it basically, uh, it says, uh, Hollywood believes that violence is both attractive and what a significant portion of people want to see at the cinema. They especially in action movies. Yes. Yeah. In an action movie, you're going to see a lot of violence. Um, (laughs) they may well be correct in their, in this assumption. However, a necessary caveat exists, which is that violence does not necessarily make for good cinema. Violence is the progenitor of the Chronicles of Riddick. In fact, it is much more than just this. Violence is the film's only motif, its only storyline, and its only theme. But the problem with this thing is the utter and unrelenting darkness of the whole thing. All the characters that exhibit any kind of humanity are killed off, leaving us only with the cardboard villains or the cardboard hero who mouth insipid and repellent lines like you keep what you kill, which from the last shot appears to be some sort of moral uh, that David Toohey is trying to uh, teach us. There's never any real suspense or sense that Riddick is in danger. He's just an indestructible badass who you know will win the big showdown against the evil leader in the end of the movie. Okay, first off, violence is not a theme. Um, <laughs> it's not a theme nope. to a movie or anything. Well, it's like matter. people saying that like uh, Tarantino movies are just, they're just violent just to be violent and they don't have any story. No, the violence happens because of the story. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And in the same way, this the violence has to happen for the story to go on. And and yes. Um, the good people are killed, but they're killed on purpose. It's going to show you that Riddick isn't a good guy, but he's a type of, well, they say it in the movie, it takes a different type of evil to defeat true evil. Yeah. Like, because the necromongers are truly evil. They're trying to destroy basically the universe. Yeah. They want to conquer everything. Um, like the Romans. Yeah. Um, or America. <laughs> uh, America, fuck yeah! yeah. Um, and th- there is really no moral that David Toohey's trying to get across because this is an action movie, <laughs> and I don't think David Toohey's like, "What is the moral of this story?" This isn't an episode of Full House. Yeah, this isn't. You know, like Michelle, kid's... Michelle didn't learn a lesson at the end of this. 
You know, it's you like, know, action movies don't <laughs> often teach morals. Uh, that's just fact. Like, you wouldn't watch Kickboxer and be like, you know what the moral of that story is? Van Damme can kick really hard. I mean, I, right. there's no moral to that story. It's basically just don't fuck with Van Damme. Right. Uh, you know, it's like, what's the moral? What's what's the the moral of uh? of commando don't fuck with john matrix's daughter yeah that that is the more there's no moral of the story he just in he, action movies he gets fucked over his daughter gets kidnapped he has a bunch of dudes that want to basically like bring him in and he just proceeds to kill everyone kills bennett and rescues his daughter there's no moral to that story yeah you don't have to have a moral to a story action movies are violent and if you don't like violence or the overabundance of violence don't watch action movies. Watch The Notebook or some shit. <laughs> uh, I mean... I, Go I watch The Fucking Polar Express. I can't tell you to, what to watch, and no one else can either. That's that's the beauty of all this. Yeah. This isn't North Korea. Right. Um, but it, that's the thing that gets me, is you have people that will sit down and watch an action movie and then complain when it's just... It's exactly what they were expecting. Oh, it's just going to be a bunch of, like, you know, explosions fights action sequences people getting killed and at the end of it they're like well fuck what was the point of this movie what's the point of any action movie it's to have great action yeah awesome action. that's the point of the fucking movie but it was like jim carrey being on the kick-ass too and then immediately complaining about it being too violent and it's like did you not watch the first one before you accepted the role <laughs> that's your fucking fault shut up yeah like, uh, it, it's a violent movie. I mean, it is. Yeah. But, but Kick-Ass might actually have a point to it, though. But and, the, and this has a point. It just doesn't have a moral. Yeah. Because, yeah, a lot of good people do die in this. But it's also supposed to, like, that's how the first Pitch Black was. Yeah. You know, like, the girl dies saving Riddick at the end. And he's like, not for me. Yeah, not for me. You know, though, like it. That, like he he knows that he's not the kind of dude that should be saved. Yeah, she got killed, and that's why he. You know, that's you know that's why he saved Jack and let the priest get on the ship. Yeah, you know because because the the imam, uh, you know, the holy man, he he dies in this movie, but when he dies, it's he's basically like going head to head against the necromonger, and he saves protect, his family for, to protect his wife and his daughter. And Riddick so knows that, and he walks straight in the congregation of the necromongers. Yeah. Purposely didn't kneel, and just like, hey, I'm not gonna kneel. Yeah. But I want him. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, freaking Carl Urban's like, well, Vaca. you can, yeah, yeah, Vaco's like, okay, well, you can have him. Because I, then, yeah, because like, that was, um, that was the part of our intro. That was our intro, and it's like, know. but I will take a piece of him. Peace you like, shall have. And he's like, peace you shall have. And he's like, ah. And he's like, fucking stabs him real quick and throws him on the floor. Yeah. And then the the uh, Lord Marshal's like, it's one of my best men. And he was like, if you say so. Yeah. He was just going to walk out. He was like, look, I don't give a fuck about your, your culture. I don't give a fuck about your little necro religion you've got yeah. going on here. He was like, the only thing I know is that uh, one of the guys that I actually gave somewhat of a shit about this piece of shit killed out in an alleyway. And he has a wife and he has a child and he just killed that dude. So fuck it. I'm going to fuck him up just so that that shit's back in balance. Yeah. And then I'm done he, with that. I'm now done. I'm out. Yeah. I'm he's out. like, I'm fucking gone. And then they're like, well, no, this dude's like special because 
He just walked in here, did not give anything close to a fuck, killed one of their people and was like, just going to bounce out of there. And they're like, eh, no, let's, uh, and then Lord Marshall's like, we, we, maybe we should go take him to the quasi-deads. Maybe Yeah, then they get Thaddeus Newton to actually take him to the quasi-deads or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because Tandy, Tandy Newton, like, I, I love Tandy Newton in this movie. And I also think it's kind of funny I how... I love Tandy Newton in all movies that she's right. in. Right, yeah. She, uh, it also is kind of funny because this is, we, this is like another movie where we have a character named Kira and we have Tandy Newton in the movie because on Solo was the same way. Yes, yes. I mean, is that I, weird how that happens? You know, but... It's uh, kind of weird. It is kind of weird. We have two movies back-to-back with Tandy Newton because she was Val on the Han Solo movie. And then we have another character named Kira. <laughs> kind of weird, isn't it? It is kind of weird. It's a weird thing to show you. <laughs> yeah. Um, shout out to Cameo. Um, but uh, shout out to Steve Carell's version of Forty Year Version. Right. Yeah. Especially. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's um, I, the the part that always gets me is like whenever whenever Dame Vaco first uh like encounters him. He just, he's like fucking, he's like entranced by her because he was like, it's been a long time since I've smelled beautiful. Yeah. You know, and then she's and she just kind of like, like, come with me or whatever. Yeah. And, and then you see Carl Urb, or you see Vaco, he's just kind of like, he has his gun and he's kind of like, well, fuck, this is going to be a bit of a problem because like she almost doesn't even like really think about him. She just, she's just like transfixed on Riddick. Yeah. Because you know? even whenever he starts like, kicking their ass whenever he's like kill the riddick kill the riddick yeah kill the riddick and he's like lord marshall's like kill the riddick yeah and ever they they try to kill him and then the fury and over there turns off the thing that was holding him down yeah the dude he's like the the, the, the purifier he helps, yeah he helps uh riddick get away which is you know older tom hiddleston basically that dude that dude could have been loki Oh yeah! Like if they would have made that movie then, yeah, like he would have been Loki. Like I don't even see any way around it. That dude's an amazing actor, and he's great in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> as the purifier. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it. I I think uh, as far as like, uh, you know, the violence goes, where there's a lot of like killing and stuff in this movie. I'm like, well, pretty much all, all the killing that happens in this movie happens for a reason. But it's like if you're watching a movie where you have a dude who is a basically a hardened criminal like Riddick, who's been basically in like every every prison that this galaxy has, like he's been in every one of them. He's broken out. He's had to kill people to get out. Like he is not he is not what you would call a good dude. Like he has elements of him that can be good, but he's a hardened criminal. It's like don't get it twisted. But if you're if you're dealing with mercenaries and you're dealing with people with bounties on their heads, you're going to have a lot of violence because Kira, she but when she when she went from being Jack into becoming Kira, you know, like she she went through all kinds of shit. She went to jail. You know, she was on the run. You know, she's done. She tried to do a lot of the shit that Riddick did because she looked up to him. She signed up with Mercs. Yeah, she signed up with mercenaries. And Riddick did not like that. No, because he's one of those people. He's constantly getting away from those assholes, and she just openly joins one of them. And he's like, "What the fuck?" He was like, "I didn't." He's like, "I I went through all this shit to keep you away from that kind of life, so you could do something else with your life." And you just follow exactly what I do. And he's like, "This is not the kind of life that anybody should have." Yeah, he's you know, like, you sign with Mercs. Yeah, and it's yeah, and she was <laughs> like, "There's no one else around," and he was just kind of like, "I'm not fucking hearing that shit." Yeah, like you, you just you don't do that though. 
But, uh, you know, that's but when you're dealing with this, especially when you're dealing with a movie where one of the primary themes of this is the uh, is the necromongers. And we'll get into the necromongers here in, in, in more detail. But uh, I feel like if you have a movie where you, you have these people that will either you convert to what they are or you just die you're going to you're naturally going to have a lot of death in a movie like that whenever you're dealing with a race of of beings or whatever that like conquer planets entire planets and destroy as much as possible and then convert whatever doesn't you know doesn't want to die you're going to have a lot of death in a movie like that yeah, it's convert or die right but uh very roman of them right yeah exactly but uh, but we'll go ahead and take like a, a break here. Then when we come back, we're gonna fucking talk about the necromongers because people fucking hate those guys <laughs> like crazy. So we'll we'll go ahead they, and they should right. That's, I mean, that's what a villain in a movie is yeah. supposed to be. It's like you when guys, you watch. We'll teach you something about. Okay, so go ahead and give me the silent count. And we are back. Hail to the king, baby. Hail to the king, Barbara. <laughs> Which kind of makes sense when you know how this movie ends. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, but before uh, he can conquer the Necromongers uh, and take them over, uh, we should probably talk about them for a little bit here. Um, so... Uh, a, a lot of people when I was looking through really didn't like the necromongers because they thought that they were like cheesy or dumb or whatever. Uh, so it, I found a section here of like somebody that just really just severely disliked them. Uh, but I'll go ahead and go into it. Um, so it says the script in this film is unbelievably bad. It tries hard to be clever and catchy and ends up uh, just as awful sci-fi trash. For example, mercenaries are called mercs in the movie. The bad guys are, are called the necromongers, a mixture of Greek and English only a retard could think of. Like the necromongers are, uh, uh, well, no, okay, that's actually, that's that's done wrong. So it says that, uh, I don't know why they put like. It, it should say the necromongers loosely translated means people who like death or how the underverse is the opposite of the universe and so on. The main villains, a religious sect called the Necromongers, are pitched to us as a supreme evil in the universe, a force that will destroy all human life wherever it's found, which makes you wonder why they have wives. Uh, problem is, they seem to be more interested in a pedestrian and boring power struggle for their throne than in carrying out their holy mission. The movie drops you right in the middle of, of this mess. I suppose that it was meant to be an intriguing way to start the movie, but after the first 30 minutes, you'll be scratching your head trying to figure out what the heck's going on. If you haven't seen Pitch Black, then you won't understand a good half of the movie anyway. 
the Necro spaceships look like giant bathtubs and space heaters. These bad guys wear armor like medieval times with a futuristic twist. Actually, they just look gay and they all speak like they're in a Shakespearean play. <laughs> then there's this planet. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'll break it down here. Uh, just the idea that they would just think that like, oh yeah, the necromongers look gay. I just, I, I copied that because I'm like, that that made me laugh out loud when I saw it. Um, <laughs> so it says, uh, then there's this uh, planet called Crematoria. Uh, it is supposed to be a very hot planet. They, they even give it surface temperature. Why give it a stupid name, which insists on its heat? Did I really see them outrun the sunrise? Then did I see the sunrise stop short after crispy frying and escapee on the mountainside? It's 700 degrees in the sun, but the shade from a big rock is perfect perfect protection. Splashing yourself with a bottle of water will protect you? The 700 degrees Celsius sunrise heats the rocky planet's surface as it passes over this. However, our heroes are able to flee from the effects of being roasted by hiding in shallow crevices inside the mountain, which remain 25 degrees in spite of the minus 300 degree nighttime temperatures. I could go on, but I won't. <laughs> uh, for one, uh, actually, it's they show you that uh, Furians can resist the heat for quite a long time because uh, the Furian that stepped out into the 700 degrees took several, several seconds to kill him. Yeah. Like he the was purifier. still walking when he was like half ash. Yeah. Uh, so Furians could tolerate some heat, you know, especially for like what the five seconds he was swinging across just to get Kara and then swing back up. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, he could deal with that for a few seconds. That's nothing. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the one dude was taking the full blast of it, and what you were seeing was. Not the sun rising, but the planet rotating. Because you don't see the sun, you just see the heat coming around the planet. Which means right. the sun isn't over it yet, but it's coming. Right. So, that that little gaze that you see, that's not the sun yet. That's just it coming. Like, yeah. But, uh... And it brings fire. It rolls around the bin. <laughs> right. <laughs> was it was this the ring of fire that Johnny Cash was talking about? <laughs> was Johnny Cash a Furian? Maybe that's why he lived so damn long. I would say yes. Yeah, he probably was. Um I think the Furians were based off of Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a new th- fan theory that the Furian mm-hmm. race was based on Johnny Cash. Uh <laughs> confirm it, Vin. Confirm it. Confirm it. They'll be like, yeah, the Furian race, it's based on Johnny Cash and his life. It's like, really? We fucking knew that! Yeah, actually, in Furio, Joaquin Phoenix is going to be in it as yeah. Johnny Cash. Yeah, <laughs> because he's like the creator of the race, basically. Yeah, I mean, it takes place in 2583, but... Yeah. But this movie does. Yeah. But, um, but the whole thing... <laughs> the whole thing where it says, like... Uh, uh, there, uh, the the necro, uh, the, the necro spaceships look like giant bathtubs and space heaters. Like, <laughs> I that's was like, crazy. Yeah, I was like, their ships look pretty badass, especially like the uh, what's it, the the main? Oh, I don't know what it's called exactly, but it's like the main tower that the Lord Marshal commands, where it has the the multiple heads ac- across the the top of it. 
Yeah. It's like it's like the the command tower or whatever. I guess that's where he lives. And then he has the other ships that like dispatch out with the troops and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's it, like I thought like the whole look of it was cool, even like his armor because it has the multiple faces on it. Yeah, you know? the armor is cool. The armor does look cool, and despite what this jackass says, it, like their armor looks gay. It definitely does, and their armor looks pretty badass. Look and. Carl Urban can pull off a fucking Billy Ray Cyrus haircut. I mean, yeah. I mean, and he looks badass doing it. So, right. I mean, that guy, that guy just can't do anything wrong. No, but uh, put him in the MCU. <laughs> yeah, but it's like you know, like people were complaining about how the Necromonger name is like a mixture of like Greek and English, and it's like a bastardized word that does just means gibberish. And stuff like that. And I'm like, well, no, necro always means death whenever you apply it to something. If you're a necromancer, that means that you're a you're a, a, a death wizard, basically. You you deal in death. Yeah, you know? is necro and, the word they're saying is Greek? Yeah, that's, yeah. It, it, was that original Greek word? If necro? I'm not mistaken, yeah, because the word necropolis is... You know, it means like a uh, city of the dead. City of the dead. And right. so the word necro means death, you know, in, in Greek. For some reason, I just I, I was just feeling like that was Spanish. But yeah, necro. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, Greek. And then I think it's uh, I think it's derived from something in Latin, if I'm not mistaken. Well, everything is, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. But um, so it's Latin. All of it's Latin, basically. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Well, well, let's see real quick. What is no, the, we, no, we what is the definition of necro? No, we don't have to do that. Why is we like already the third thing that. that pops up is necrophilia? And then some rapper named Necro? No, I'm not looking at that. What the fuck? See, we don't have to do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, necro, uh, yeah, uh, it means uh, related to death or dead tissue. That's not what well, we know what necro means. Yeah. We were trying to see the origins of the necro word. Like, is it yeah. actually Greek? Yes. From combining a uh, form of ancient Greek necros, which means dead body, and the uh, proto Indo European suffix full grade necro, which means to perish or disappear. Okay. Okay. Glad we cleared that up. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> We also learned about some uh, some rapper named Necro, and we got a reference to necrophilia. Awesome! So yeah, uh, I don't feel any better for that. I right. we wasted a lot of time. <laughs> we wasted ten seconds. <laughs> too much time. It feels like it's too much. Yeah, but uh, felt like ten years. You're right. <laughs> Not the band ten years. They're actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, Maroon Five hosting the Super Bowl. Garbage. Ugh. <laughs> Steve's vote was for Imagine Dragons, but you know they might not be able to afford them now. Yeah, they don't try to afford anything. They're like, hey, that guy's career's over. He doesn't he do like American Idol or something? Hey, let's get Bruno Mars. He's popular. Like fifteen years ago. Yeah, I don't know how old is he. He's like seventeen. I don't know Bruno Mars. I have no clue how old he is. I don't listen to him. I mean, not to hate on the guy, but I just, I, I just, I don't like his music. I have no use for a guy that tries to do exactly what Michael Jackson did. It's like if I want to do that, I will listen to Michael I'll Jackson. Just listen to Michael Jackson, yeah, <laughs> because he's better than you. And then he also tries to make his music sound like Prince sometimes, and it's like, are you trying to rip off Michael and Prince? And while you're not playing any of the instruments, you don't do any of the instruments. You don't have. <laughs> you can't rip off Prince if you can't play the guitar. Yeah, you can't do it. 
Because <laughs> Prince, Prince could play any instrument. He could play guitar. He could play drums. He could it's do like piano. trying to cover Corey Taylor and not writing any of your music. It's like, right. don't do not do that. That's a disgrace. Don't do that. Yeah, you're just going to embarrass yourself. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I think that the Necromongers in this movie, I think that's the thing that makes this movie interesting is that they have like this whole, it's like it's its own culture, right? Where it's like these, uh, it's like these uh, dead. Well, well, they're not like completely dead, but they're they're looking for this thing that's basically like a dead universe, right? The Enderverse, yeah. you know. And uh, the Lord Marshall, he's like you know one of the only people that's actually been to the Underverse, and he came back, and so now he's kind of half dead, half alive. He's kind of transitioning into being a full dead. It's um, kind of like some of the Pharaoh mythology, where they're like, "I'm a god, and you got to do this and all that." Yeah, I got kind of like somewhat of like, like an Egyptian vibe from this a little bit. Yeah. yeah, where it's like you know the whole idea that like the Lord Marshall is kind of seen like a pharaoh, like he's a leader, but he also is kind of like a leader in the afterlife too. Yeah, and it's stuff like a like pharaoh that. and a Caesar if they were like one person. Yeah, yeah, because I mean that's one of the things I think about sci-fi typically is that it, it does borrow from a lot of like mythology. I think you have to like yeah. to be a good sci-fi story, you have to. You have to borrow from things. Yeah. Because, I mean, even like Star Wars, it borrows from a lot of those, like, you know, mythology motifs of like, you know, Master as an Apprentice and, you know, that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of that kind of thing in there. And then the whole. Yeah, it takes from Asian culture a lot. Uh, Yeah. And like, even, even like the Jedi. I mean, the Jedi are basically like samurai. They're like samurai. Yeah. Yeah. Except, uh, I mean, Obi Wan even commits seppuku. I mean, at the end, I mean, right? Isn't that what he does? Seppuku. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then afterwards, then you know, they have uh, one of the guys like you know, I'll take his head off. So. Yeah, take his head off, yeah. and then uh, uh, just like in Forty Seven Ronin. Yeah, Forty Seven Ronin, I think, is is based on Obi Wan's life, isn't it? I, I believe so. Isn't it like isn't the original like the novel? It's based off Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I exactly. So. Like Forty Seven Ronin, <laughs> right? like predate. I mean, this shit's like five thousand years old. Yeah, Obi Wan. I mean, Kenobi it was in a galaxy far, far away, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. So that we could be ripping off Obi Wan related things constantly, and just you know, yeah. I mean, the timeline matches up. Right. Yeah, it does. But, uh, <laughs> but like, but it's the only as, thing that predates it is Jay and Saw Bob. Right. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> the result is time. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, but yeah, like the Necromongers, I just think that like their, their culture is interesting because. I always like movies whenever they have like, you know, world building stuff like this mm-hmm. where, you know, the Tui and I guess, well, I guess uh, Vin Diesel helped him write a lot of this too, didn't well, he? Yeah, Vin Diesel was one of the key people that was like, no, Riddick wouldn't do that. Riddick would do this. And Vin Diesel wanted this to be um, kind of like a Lord of the Rings type universe is something that he was saying. Like he wanted to be an expansive universe. Right. And it is. He they did succeed in that. And like even for this movie, they wrote four scripts after Pitch Black and then set it in front of the Universal Yeah, Universal makes this movie. Uh they set it in front of them. And they they're basically like these are four scripts that we wrote to film and then the studios picked this one. 
another one of them that I know about was uh, uh, Jack actually capturing Riddick um, and taking him back to the planet that was in Pitch Black. And uh, because the hammerhead creatures are sentient, and um, they want to revenge on Riddick. Oh, the old goods are sentient. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they, um, their god, which is the evil god, corrupted Jack into getting Riddick and bringing him back. Ah. That was one of the scripts. Okay. Which probably would have sucked. I, yeah, because like, when you hear that as like a pitch, you're like, okay, you, you really would have to work on that because that's very, very rough. Yeah. And it's like the idea of those things being sentient and not just being like beasts is kind of weird. But it's like, so of the four movies, was any of the other stuff what became the Riddick movie from 2013? Nope. That's a totally different script then. It no, wasn't part uh, of this. Ben and David Toohey wrote, sat down and wrote that years later. Yeah. Uh, and um, a lot of people don't know this. They gave the rights to Vin Diesel. Like, he owns Riddick, the character Riddick, like, completely. Yeah. Uh, For showing up in a cameo, Tokyo Drift. They literally gave him that entire franchise for showing up in a cameo to Tokyo Drift. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I think I remember you telling me about this. Where it was like, uh, because they wanted him to show up to, uh, was it to drift uh, the dude at the end of the movie mm-hmm. in the in the charger? And yeah. Yep, just to show up and basically do like 10 minutes worth of work. Yeah, but hey, Vin's a great businessman. You can say whatever you want to. I know a lot of people have about how he's dumb and all this kind of stuff, but he is one of the best businessman and one of the best producers in Hollywood. Like, I don't even, there's no argument. He's worth $190 million. He's one of the highest like paid actors over his career, like in the entire business. Yeah. Between like, well, these movies and then the, the fast and the furious movies, Fast and the furious movies, you know, he's been a bunch of great movies. Yeah. Uh, the Triple X franchise. Yeah, Triple X, yeah. You know, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is Groot. Yeah. He's about to be another comic book superhero called Bloodshot, and that's a big deal. I mean, he's got some stuff going on. So, you know, some people might hate him, but he is great at this business stuff. Like, really great. Like, he won't let people touch this Fast and the Furious stuff. I mean, as much as people want to be like, you know, well, The Rock said it's like, the this isn't The Rock's franchise. Like, literally, if Vin wanted him out, he'd be like, hey, Rock, you're out. Bye. Yeah. And then Universal would be like, no, nah, um, we don't care what you got to say. I mean, you, you're gone. That's that's Vin's call. Because yeah. they know what the Fast and the Furious franchise looks like without him. Right. It makes no money. Yeah. With and- him, it makes like a billion dollars a movie. Well, yeah, and that's the thing, because like just randomly, since we're talking about Vin, um, for me, it's like of the Fast and the Furious movies, 
Too Fast, Too Furious is like the one I, I, I've watched like I think twice and I probably wouldn't go back and watch it I don't it think I've ever finished that movie. I've, I've watched it, I think, I know I've watched it completely once and then I watched it, I think, I think I did watch it a second time because, uh, I don't know, I, I don't know, I think I just wanted to see if I could give it another shot to see if I was going to like it. And I'm like, and not to disparage Paul Walker because rest in peace, Paul, you know, he was, he was a good actor and, you know, he was a good guy and everything, but you know, the, my thing is, is that like Tokyo Drift, I could watch without even having Vin in the movie because I like Lucas Black so much. You know, for me, that was like one of my favorite ones to watch was Tokyo Drift because it was like this wasn't a, a typical, you know, back to, you know, or like the Fast and the Furious movie. It was, you know, take it took place in Tokyo. So it was in a different, different location and they didn't have anything to do with Dom or or any of those kind of people it didn't have anything to do with Letty. It was a completely different cast. And I kind of like the fact that it was sort of like a side story. It was like, you know, it was like, it was kind of like how the, you know, Rogue One and Solo were like side stories. Well, they wanted Tokyo to Drift make that a, a different story. franchise with the Drift, but it made so little money that they are basically like, they kind of scrapped it. You yeah. Know? Because they wanted that to kind of be the next Fast and the Furious type thing was the, the the drifting world, the drifting underworld. Yeah, but they pretty much was like, well, people like Han, and they brought him back over whenever they finally got Vin Diesel to come back. Um, but ultimately, like Justin Lin did get his because everything bases around Tokyo in those movies that he's done so far. You know what I mean? No, I don't. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> like they, like they reference Tokyo all the time in those movies. Oh, uh, you said revolved around. I was like, I don't know what it you mean about that. Around that. But I mean, like it always, like there's always references that that goes back to uh, the stuff that Han did in Tokyo. You know, there's always those references in there um, because Justin Lin, you know, that was like his baby was doing the the Tokyo drift. And so he puts little like Tokyo Drift Easter eggs all over the place in the movies that he's done since. Right. And the main the main Fast and the Furious movies. Which I thought it was pretty cool because like they they have some of those things that pop up and you know, oh yeah, that was in Tokyo Drift. Like, yeah, yeah, I remember that, you know. But um but I like Tokyo Drift. I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool. Um but anyway, uh since we're talking about the the actors, right? Let's just talk about the actors in this movie. Okay. Okay. So uh, it says when you get actors such as uh, is it Colmfior? Is that how you say his name? Is it the, the guy who plays the Lord Marshal? Is it Colmfior? Yeah, Colmfior. Yeah, because he was also in another movie called um, uh, what was it called? Uh, shit, it was a Stephen King movie called. Uh, the perfect storm. I want to say it was called the perfect storm. <laughs> I don't remember. I'd have to look it up because I don't know that as I, well. I, I feel like I'm getting it confused with a George Clooney shipping movie, but it's something right. like yeah. that. Um, where he's a demon. People might not. People people will probably know. But anyway, just email it beyond the hate of yahoo.com. Anyway, okay, so. <laughs> Because I was gonna look up his IMDb real quick. And no, see, it'd but... be way, way down. That's yeah. like a, that's like a '90s, early '90s movie or something. I'd have to dig for a minute. Okay, but anyway, but it says uh, when you get actors such as Colm Fior 
Judy, uh, Dame Judy Dench. Sorry. Yeah, don't fuck that up. Uh, we, we, give the, we give the sirs uh, where it's due. Yeah. You gotta give the dames where it's due. Yeah. Uh, and even Tandy Newton and Carl Urban to act in this story should not be this uh, be this below average. You can tell that Judy Dench and Colm Fiore were just there for the money because of their performances, although they are the best in the movie. Uh, we're hard to watch because you know how well they can act. And you see them in this. Uh, seeing them in this is like watching a Corvette being entered into a demolition derby. You can see that their performances are uninspired, and you don't blame them. I will still watch any movie with those actors, but the person doing their absolute best job acting uh, in this movie was Vin Diesel, and for him it was really good. But even when compared to Ben Affleck, Vin Diesel's acting is horrible. <laughs> this movie is like all Vin Diesel movies. Makes you wonder who is watching them to make uh, to make him this popular. Uh, Vin's delivery, which is flat and listless, only adds to the desire to grab some earplugs and wish one were enjoying a summer on crematoria. <laughs> Look, I want this fucker to go ahead and make his short film. And this isn't even about Vin Diesel. I- I'm defending Ben Affleck right now. Right, yeah. Uh, I want this motherfucker, whoever the fuck this is, to... Uh, film a short thing and have it better than any one single scene in Chasing Amy and then talk shit about Ben Affleck. Right. You know, uh, have it have it better than any one scene in Vin Diesel's uh, Buller Room movie. Or uh, Argo. Well, I was talking about Vin Diesel. But oh, right. Yeah, yeah. You're, okay. you're still an Affleck. Yeah, yeah, Argo's good too, I, I guess. Uh <laughs> You know, uh, uh, our, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Gone Baby Gone or whatever with Ben Affleck? Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he acted his ass off in that movie. Um, hell, this guy can probably act not even close to as good as what Ben Affleck did in Batman versus Superman. And I'm pretty sure he was drunk that whole time. <laughs> You you think Affleck was on some sauce? Well, when he was he's in that? rehab now, so th- th- this put possible. the two and two together. Yeah, it is possible he was drunk through that whole movie. He that probably would doesn't even remember. Ma- he does look drunk in that movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he really does. Um, but this fucking guy probably couldn't even like put his face on like Daniel Day Lewis's and act as good as either one of these guys. He just talk shit about right. Oh man, I just think that like it always it, it always kind of affects me a little like it always kind of triggers me a little bit when I see people that always want to they always want to talk shit about people like Vin Diesel they always want to talk shit about guys like Keanu like we cover a lot of Keanu because we love Keanu like I, I think I, I've liked everything that Keanu's ever made we cover Keanu a lot because we've done quite a bit of his movies. Yeah. We'll eventually have to do all the John Wicks, probably. We're gonna have to do a movie that we're defending Ben Affleck at one one point two because yeah. we made it obvious we we didn't like Ben Affleck as Batman, but I don't necessarily think it was his fault. He's not a shit actor though. He's not a shit actor. He's just not Batman. That's okay. Sometimes yeah. you can get roles. It's not like George Clooney's a shit actor because he sucked as Batman. No, he's a badass actor. He's just not good as Batman. Not he's everybody not Batman. can be good as Batman. Yeah, I mean, Batman's a hard character to pull off. It's really like, Bale and Keaton. That's really the two best. Yeah, Bale and Keaton and Kilmer, if he would have had a more Kilmer, of a shot. I like Kilmer. We'll eventually do uh, Batman Forever. I mean, I, I thought he was one of the best. He did. He just He's forgettable because he didn't have much of a shot to do it. I mean, Kilmer... 
it's one of those guys. I mean, he he's he's a friend of most people in Hollywood. Like, if you actually pay attention in some music videos and some movies that uh, Jack Black's done, you will see some background cameos of Val Kilmer because he's such good buddies with Tenacious D. Yeah. Um, I mean, he he is a really cool guy. I mean, he literally. Whenever the Top Gun 2 movie was supposed to start taking off, he went to Twitter and was like, hey, Tom Cruise, I, I'll be in it, you know, or whatever. If you Ice want to man. Be, you want to be in it. Next thing you know, Val Kilmer was casted because Tom Cruise was probably like, oh, I didn't know he wanted to be in it. You guys need yeah, to put Yeah, dude, it, we got to put Iceman back in. We got to put Val Kilmer back in. And they're like, well, we, you know, he's not as popular. And Tom Cruise is like, you're putting fucking Iceman back you're in. You're putting Iceman in this fucking movie. And they're probably like, well, it looks like we're putting Iceman in the we're movie. Putting Iceman in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because Tom Cruise probably likes working with Val Kilmer. And Val Kilmer's like, hey, I want to be in the movie too. And Tom Cruise is probably like, put fucking Iceman in the movie. Yeah. And I know yeah. there, there was people that, uh, since we're talking about Val Kilmer, <laughs> but I know there was people that shit on um, you know him and Alexander, and I'm like, he did a really awesome job in Alexander. thought he was one of the best parts of Alexander. Yeah. Like, I became a little disinterested whenever he wasn't in anymore. <laughs> you're, are you telling me? Are you t- you're going to sit here and tell me you do not believe in the Colin Farrell magic? Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I like Colin Farrell uh, well enough. Uh, it's just... Um, I liked him in Alexander. And I know I know you did, did and everything. I like that and movie. I, I know people I don't shit on that him movie, in but it. I, I like that movie. And I don't hate him. I don't hate him in it, but he looks and acts nothing like Alexander. <laughs> <laughs> We're just not... We just don't worry about that. It's, you know... And there I'm are some things like, in there that are historically accurate. It's like... Colin Farrell, is, he was just like a kind of big name then, and they're like, "Hey, Alexander, you know, oh, you kind of look like a pretty boy." And you Oliver like Stone was on a lot of cocaine still, so right. he's just like, "Hey, you know, you do cocaine too?" And Colin Farrell's like, "Yeah, I do cocaine." He's like, "I'm gonna hire you." Yeah, <laughs> and you know, he got all the coke addicts. He got Angelina, he got Val Kilmer. I mean, he got everybody that did cocaine. Let's get this. Yeah, I mean, let's just get the whole band together. <laughs> He did. He he basically casted that movie about people that would do cocaine with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a hell of a fan theory, isn't it? That isn't even a fan theory, I don't think. That's just reality. Man, see how skinny Angelina Jolie was in that movie? Oh, yeah. She was doing cocaine. Hey, you might be right. You mm-hmm. might I'm be right. I'm sure I'm right. You guys give, uh, <laughs> give us your opinions on how many people did cocaine in that movie. <laughs> Beyond the yeah, right. Uh, okay, so we so going to uh, this should be the last comment. Yeah, this is the last comment. So uh, people, when I was going through, one of the things that I probably saw almost the most, besides people that you know hated the what they called the stupid sci-fi bullshit, people that didn't like Vin Diesel, which was almost every comment of the one stars. I didn't have to leave the one star comments. And this is, this is, I think like less than half of the one star comments that I had to look through. I found most everything on this fairly quickly. And then I just had to figure out like where everything needs to go because I had to cut some things and move them around. You don't have to explain that. I'm just, I'm just letting you know the, the, the scientific process that John does. His no, business. no, 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 um, no. I'm letting no. you see how the sausage is made, but, uh, never thing- let them know how the sausage is made. Oh, Okay. 
So one thing that I had to that I had to uh, that I had to endure almost on every comment was people fucking hated the script for this movie. They hated the whole story just in general. <laughs> no, I never I never thought about that being a problem. Whenever I used to watch movies and stuff like that, I'd be like, like this script is stupid. Man, this script is like I'm like like when you were 14. Was the script the thing that you gave a shit about, or was it was it the movie was cool or not? I don't. You know, I remember watching The Sopranos uh, whenever that was out, and then the the dude talking about he had a script, and the chick that he was banging like stole his script and gave it to someone else, and he was like, "Fucking kill you" or whatever. And I was sitting there thinking, like, this is a really boring episode of this show. <laughs> <laughs> It's like an hour of this dude talking about scripts and wanting to kill somebody. And I was just like, people talking about scripts isn't exciting. (laughs) So I usually try not to think about them that much. Like, I know they have to get written, but I don't think I watch ever watch a movie and be like, who's the jackass that wrote this script? Yeah. I want to know who the fucking clown was who wrote this script. That's what these people think of when they watch this shit. So like, let me go. Let me get into it so you can understand what I'm talking about here. Get down to the nitty gritty. Into the who nitty watched, gritty. Who wrote the script of Nacho Libre? Because I want to shake their fucking hand. They had some great lines. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead. But anyway, Nacho. Nacho. Um. So it says one of the downfalls of this movie is the horrible script. Uh, the script is horrible <laughs> because David Tui has no idea what he's doing when it comes to writing, especially. When it comes to writing a story that is supposed to be epic. As you are watching it, you see that Mr. Tui is trying to make the history of the Riddick universe this large scale and detailed story with how different races interact with each other, like Star Wars or Star Trek or the Lord of the Rings. The only difference between this movie and those is that is is this movie sucked and the story plays out like it was written by 1,000 monkeys on 1,000 typewriters only instead of waiting a thousand years for Shakespeare, they took the first story that they wrote. The story is full of, of uh, plot holes, and and in the in the plot the or the story is full of plot holes, and this makes this a very bad movie. Like for example, when Kira dies at the end of the movie, and Riddick is sad over her death for like two seconds before he completely forgets about her and leaves her corpse lying there while he sits on the throne as the new Lord Marshal. So they have him fighting off this evil race of people that's going around killing everyone and everything in their way. And when he finally kills their leader, instead of stopping them as a threat, he becomes their leader. Dot, dot, dot. If you could kill the head guy with a knife to the skull, why not just shoot him in the head earlier? Uh, but it, more importantly, it's this is like Winston Churchill leading the Nazis after the death of Hitler. It doesn't make sense. Writing this movie is so amateurish, it's it's embarrassing for David Toohey. Okay. So, for one... <laughs> Dig into that shit, Steve. Well, I want to talk about... I want to defend David Toohey here. Okay. So, he's such a shitty screenwriter, right? Right. That's what everybody says. David Toohey has no talent. Okay. So, he wrote Critters 2. Okay. That was his first job. Critters 2, huh? Warlock. Do you remember that movie? Uh, somewhat, yeah. It was an old sci-fi movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I know of it. I don't... Anyway. I don't so he wrote, it, he wrote this little bullshit after that called The Fugitive. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, 
The that Harris, movie would that the other movie was garbage, right? Yeah, right. It sucked. Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford, Tommy Lee Jones, Tommy Lee Jones. That was bullshit. Complete was fucking awful. garbage. Right. Um, he <laughs> One also, of the the greatest movies of all time. But anyway, I'll let you finish. He also wrote The Arrival, which is one of the best alien movies ever made because it's the contact of, you know, the arrival of aliens and actually contacting and speaking with them. Right, yeah. Um, He wrote Terminal Velocity. He uh, wrote Waterworld. I know people have some opinions about that. Oh, people fucking hate in Waterworld. But I don't think the writing in Waterworld sucked. I think it was the directing of Waterworld that that wasn't great. Yeah, because like, I mean, the like, idea the, of the, the story is good. The story is interesting about like an apocalyptic world where most of the world is water. Yeah, yeah, but whoever directed the movie just wasn't that good. Uh, G.I. <laughs> Jane, which is one of like the most powerful female stories ever written, didn't uh, didn't Demi Moore win like an Academy Award for that? I'm pretty sure. Or she, she was did. up for it. I know she was up for it because she was awesome in that movie. She was badass in that movie. Yeah, but yeah, that was a fucking yeah, well-written so, movie. So uh, Tui wrote a screenplay for a Ridley Scott movie. Yeah. Uh, so you know the 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 guy that made that comment about Tui, he he's definitely done. He's he must work with like Ron Howard on the reg or something, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I did see on his IMDb profile if he works with uh, you know, anybody famous, but I'm assuming he does because he knows what quality is, right? Yeah, I mean this this dude sounds like he is like one of those like is 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 that Siskel or Ebert that you, you um, took that from? No, this is this is just some uh, random fuck boy <laughs> that was on IMDb. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, uh, just some <laughs> some guy that's like, do I kill myself today or do I write this comment? Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I'm kind of fifty fifty on it. <laughs> Maybe after you re- after you write it and you realize how stupid you are, then you figure out what you got to do. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No one, no one commits suicide. Yeah, don't, don't do that don't shit. Do that. Well, it's just a joke. Please, please don't take that seriously. Yeah, don't bomb our uh, offices, which is basically a garage. <laughs> yeah, it is a garage, and the address is wherever Donald Trump was. <laughs> It's uh five five five. Uh, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Um, uh, <laughs> that's our phone number. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> That'd but be awesome if we could get that phone number. Five five five. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> like people are just like calling us on five five five. Go fuck yourself, and we're like literally answering. Go yeah. fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, but like, hey, I'm having a problem with my girlfriend. Yeah, go fuck yourself. No, we'd take those calls though. We would actually take those. No, calls. we would. We would be. We be. We would be be better than. Uh, what was it Corolla and Doctor Drew? Oh God, Corolla! Remember Loveline? That's the worst. That was. Yeah, the we worst. would be. We would be better. We'd yeah. actually. You know, we could do radio better than Lex and Terry. That people wouldn't even know the fuck they were. Yeah, I mean, we would never cancel Drunk Bitch Friday, right? <laughs> Guys, literally, that's the only reason I listen to you like forever right yeah now you guys are like doing show points and shit what what do you win like they win <laughs> nothing like literally we have to listen to like hours of them getting points for nothing that benefits us right this useless suck <laughs> but uh but yeah but like for the people who 
wanted to complain about Tui and the fact that he, you know, like how he wrote this. It's like, you know, with, with Tui, like the Riddick stuff with, with Vin Diesel and Tui, like the Riddick universe is their baby, right? Because they came up with yeah. him. They come up with it together. Yeah, or did he pretty come, much. You know, so did he meet Vin and then they came up with it? That's, well, I think it's uh, Tui's original baby, but whenever he casted Vin, they changed a lot of stuff about the character. Because Vin was like, okay, I'm into this, but I wanted him to be a certain way. Yeah, Vin... That's why he owns the character now, because he, he owns so much of the Riddick personality and everything. Yeah, like even that line, like, um, you know, Richard B. Riddick, convict murderer you know that then came up with that line like okay. on his own and uh too he's just like yeah and he did that throughout the the you know the uh storytelling process was just kind of like vin creating it and he was just kind of like yeah go with it go with it yeah so and that's why uh because even for this movie the studios was like you know uh uh, we'll get Guillermo del Toro and uh, our Alex Proyas or Peter Jackson. They were actually throwing those names around to direct this this movie. And Vin mm. Diesel was like, "No, it's David Tui." It's David Tui, yeah. He was like, he was like, "Well, we we kind of want a big name director to do it." And he was like, "I don't." Yeah, it's like no, that me and Tui like we're in this together. <laughs> like, he, he, that he's like, and you know, the Fury of movie that's going to come out next. Whenever that happens, it's still David Tui, you know, yeah. like literally this, the studio tried to push that on him. He's like, I will not make this movie if David Tui's not the guy. Cause the studios were like, yeah, Del Toro's interested, Perrier's, Peter Jackson. And like the, your go-to like sci-fi guys. Yeah, yeah. And Vin Diesel's like, no, yeah, none it's of those guys are David directing T- this movie. If I'm going to be, you know, Riddick like, and you can't control. make this movie. Without me, yeah. So because he because Universal gives him control over the Riddick character, he's well within his rights to pull those strings and be like, "No, fuck that! I'm not doing that." Yeah, you cannot. You literally cannot make this movie. Like literally, if like you know, uh, studios were with Tom Cruise and be like, "We're gonna make a Mission Impossible movie, and this guy's gonna be the director, and we want this guy in it." And Tom Cruise is like, "No, uh, no, I'm. I, I, you put the director in that I want in." Because like, how do you oh, make this Mission guy, Impossible's yeah, without Cruise? Exactly, and they're like, well, we'll just make Mission Impossible without you. He'd be like, well, you can fucking try. Yeah, you can try, <laughs> and you're going to fucking fail, because who's going to watch this shit without me? Yeah, they'll be like, wait, Ethan, wait, Ethan Hawke's not in this, or in this movie? I'm not watching that. Yeah, I'm not watching that shit. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like trying to make John Wick 3 without Keanu Reeves. Yeah, no, nobody would watch that, that shit. fucking palm like crazy. Yeah, like, people would be like, we're not watching this shit. Keanu is awesome as John Wick. <laughs> But that just goes to it's show like, you. But we got James Woods. <laughs> we got James Woods. <laughs> we got James Woods. Ooh, piece of candy. Piece of candy. Ooh, piece, piece of candy. candy. <laughs> you know, that was um, based on a real James Woods story. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just speculating. Oh, I thought you were like, because uh, sometimes I can't tell if you actually have like really like weird nuggets of research that you just found or if you're just drinking and just coming up with shit. <laughs> you know. Uh, I I do have a lot of information, and sometimes it is very hard to tell. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because sometimes I can't tell if it's just the alcohol or if it's like Steve actually found like really weird shit while he was deep diving into the deep web to find all this shit. Because I do, I I will start to find some stuff, and then I'll just keep digging. Like sometimes I'll I'll kind of go down the 
you know, proverbial rabbit hole. Right. Uh, And (laughs) I won't come out for a while and, you know, get a lot of information and, you know, see the Lindsay Lohan titties a few times and then circle back around. (laughs) (laughs) You know, sometimes you just randomly get stuck on red tube. It happens. And then you're, you're figure like, okay, well I'll go back and I'll start looking for some other stuff, you know, it happens. Well, you know, Lindsay Lohan's boo. You right, know, she's she's poop. Yeah, yeah, she's she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think that uh, just just to kind of wrap it up, I guess I think that for the people who were expecting this to be like a worthy successor to Pitch Black and all that kind of stuff, and you know, people who felt like this was going to be uh, this was too ambitious and they should have stuck to stuff like they did with Pitch Black and. You know, people that didn't like the actor, you know, they didn't like some of the actors like Vin Diesel and they thought that some of the other people were overused or whatever, whether it's Confior or, you know, Dame Judi Dench and all that kind of stuff. I think that when you look at this movie from the outside, it's just a, it's just a cool sci-fi movie with like cool characters because, I mean, we didn't even really talk about tombs all that much. But Toombs is a pretty cool character. I mean, he's the mercenary that's always in over his head. Uh, but, you know, it, it, you have like some pretty cool characters in this universe. And I think that if anything, for the people that complained that like they added stuff like the Necromongers and they added the Planet Furia and, you know, making Riddick more important than he, he perhaps he was in Pitch Black. I think the the main thing to remember is that if anything, this just makes Riddick's story more interesting because now we have additional layers of things added into him as a character that we didn't have when we had Pitch Black. So this movie, I think, if nothing else, it, it adds to the uh, the Riddick mythos and the whole world that they've built for themselves here. Because, like, like I said, I, I've always been a big fan of like giant like worlds where you can kind of get lost in the lore of it. That's why Star Wars is as big as it is and Star Trek and... You know, you have people like constantly that will go in and they'll um, uh, they'll reference like old Doctor Who episodes because they're just big fans of the show. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that show. I remember that episode because you had like the aliens came and they did this. And they did that. And a bunch the, of butt stuff. Yeah, there was a bunch of butt stuff. <laughs> there was a dildo somewhere. You know, Elizabeth but, Banks, I think. I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but the thing for me is that like. For the people, you always find people that will look at a movie like this and say like, oh, this was just cheap sci-fi crap and they hated it. But these will be the same people that will go on like a Doctor Who forum and defend Doctor Who like to no end and be like, oh, well, you guys understand that like this show is kind of meant to be sort of like a B movie. You know, sometimes the special effects budgets are are designed to be cheap on purpose and, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. They'll defend something like that. But when it comes to this, just simply because they don't like Vin Diesel, they want to shit on the whole movie and just trash it. And to me, that's I think that's unfair. It is. It's you know? almost like uh, the criticism that uh, fell upon Carnival, one of the best HBO series ever made. Yeah, that's like one of your brother's like favorite shows. One of my favorite shows. Yeah, I thought. Well, you know, didn't didn't Greg get really into Carnival or? Well, yeah, because of me. Yeah, because you got him into it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Steve definitely is a big fan of Carnival. Nick Stahl. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people remember him, but he was amazing. Yeah. But uh, I, I feel like 
with something like Riddick, it's like it, when you're watching something like this, I I think that's the thing about us is that like when we watch movies, we're not watching things to pick them apart. We're watching them because we want to be entertained and to enjoy. Yeah, I don't sit there and I don't I don't automatically think like oh this. There's got to be something wrong with people who sit down to a movie and think like, oh, this script is terrible. Who wrote this dialogue? Or this screenplay is stupid. Why would they have these camera angles? If you're thinking about that, probably shouldn't fucking watch movies because you can you can nitpick fucking any movie and tear it, tear it apart, I guess, if you wanted to. Whether or not you're justified in it, you know, a lot of times people aren't justified. Everything that we talk about... I feel like people are just over-exaggerating everything that they hate about these movies. But at a certain point, it, it just, I think instead of just going into a movie automatically trying to be negative and bitch about stuff, just try and find the shit about these movies that you like. If you don't like sci-fi movies, if you don't like action movies, if you don't like Vin Diesel, don't fucking watch this movie. Exactly. It's pretty simple. You know, like if you go into this thinking that like, well, I'm just going to give this a chance, then you're probably approaching it from the wrong perspective that like, well, I'm probably going to hate this, but I'll sit down and see if I like it. No, you should look at it from the standpoint of, okay, I don't have any preconceived notions and I want to see what this movie's about. That's how this movie is. I feel like it's a pretty badass movie. It's super entertaining. It's got some badass actors in it. We haven't really even talked about Carl, Carl Urban that much as Vako, but he's fucking amazing in this movie. Tandy Newton's awesome as like she's kind of like the like the Lady Macbeth character because mm-hmm. she's constantly getting her husband to try and, and and want more power and to do more. Well, that and, that's kind of the Caesar aspect of it, where you think you know the the characters like you know the Roman ruler like Caesar. That's why you always have the people. You know, you have the group in the back shadow always looking to betray them whenever they get weak because that's kind of how the Caesar, Caesar Empire kind of worked. Yeah, it was a was, lot of betrayal and backstabbing. Was people was always trying to betray and backstab to, for their own gain, and that's what they wrote in the back of this movie, which was really well written. Um, so it's really hard to argue <laughs> with... When you were like, this is a shitty written script, it was actually a really brilliant script. Um, which is why it was chosen by Universal, which is, you know, one of the greatest studios of all time. Uh, they produced some of the greatest movies ever. So, right. can't really criticize them too much. They've made a whole ton of money off merchandise for the Riddick character. And I actually... In the video not, games. In the video games. And yep. I actually do not believe for an instant if Furia makes a ton of money that they will not make another one. I think Furia is only the end if it only makes, you know, a little bit of money. If it makes a lot of money, it's not the end. Yeah. So guys, show up and watch it so we can have more of them. Yeah. Um, We want to see more what what Riddick can do because he's a badass character. Vin totally embodies that character. It's, it's kind of like how the like Arnold is always the Terminator. Yeah, like he can he will never be able to shake that character. He will always be considered the Terminator. Vin Diesel will always be Riddick. That will always be a character that is just Vin Diesel. When you mention you know Riddick the the, the criminal or whatever, you're like, oh yeah, Vin Diesel. I yeah, yeah I get it. It's literally impossible to recast that. You cannot like, recast that unless you wanted to show like a flashback of him as a child. 
But I don't even know where you would where you'd find a kid that even looks like Vin Diesel. He's so unique looking. But you know, anyway. But just what, my my just my last tip, and I'll let you get to your uh, to your end game here, because um, we're in the end game now. Uh, we're in the end game now. It was uh, the only way. Yeah, it was the only way. We had to do it this way. Um, uh, because we we've reviewed all possible futures, and this is the only way this podcast could have worked. Out. Yeah, this is the only way this podcast would have worked. But my thing is, is that like if you're gonna if you if you want to have like a fun ride with a sci-fi movie, put this movie on, sit down, shut the fuck up, and just enjoy it. It's this isn't meant to be the kind of shit that like you're gonna see at like Academy Award ceremonies and shit like that. This movie isn't made for that audience. This movie's made for like action people who like action movies and people who like sci-fi. You know, if, if you're looking, if you're going into this thinking like, oh man, this is going to be like Citizen Kane type shit. No, it's not. It, it doesn't have that kind of aspect to it. It's not like a dramatic masterpiece. It's a fucking action movie that takes place in space. Just shut the, sit down, shut the fuck up and enjoy it. Exactly. And if you don't enjoy it, turn it off and don't bitch on IMDb about it. You Stay people are a bunch off of IMDb. Yeah. Well, actually, don't stay entirely off IMDb because I do need your comments. <laughs> stay off. I do from need it. your comments, so that's the good thing is that hate will no, always we, be in abundance. No, we do not need your you guys's <laughs> comments because you guys that are listening to this right now are not hateists. Yeah, you're not hateists. You're beyondist. If you're listening to this, you are beyondist. Yeah. Hateist will always have something to say. Right. Um. So, okay, our game here uh, will be. Uh, we are going to name Vin Diesel movies until one of us cannot. We okay. don't have more than three seconds to think of it. So, um, yeah. So, let's go. Uh, do, do I start? Go ahead. Uh, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Pacifier. Okay. Uh, Man on Fire. Um... Let's see. Uh, Pitch Black. Okay. <laughs> Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> you can't use this movie. Oh, okay. Use the, use the so next Riddick. Movie. Riddick. Okay. I was about to say, you can use that next movie. <laughs> you can't use this movie. Okay. Uh, um, Triple X. Uh, Fast and Furious. Uh, <laughs> and you can't say like Fast and Furious <laughs> one, too. <laughs> you get like one movie per franchise, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but- Babylon AD. Uh, uh, oh shit! I can't think. I ran out now. Oh man. Okay. Okay. You gotta say these in your best Vin Diesel voice. Oh, I should have done like Guardians of the Galaxy. Damn it! I forgot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Steve always gives me the first card is always fucked up, so I read the card first to prepare myself, and then I fuck myself up because. You never read uh, the card first. You just gotta go in. I always it. do. I always read the first card. And it fucks me up because now I can't be in that voice. It just messes me up now. Okay. <laughs> okay, I gotta take a swig of dragon's milk here. Not sponsored, but I would fucking love to be. Yeah, we would only drink dragon's milk. Yeah, it's like New Holland Bearing, you know, Brewing Company, Bearing Company. Bearing Company. <laughs> See, bearing. 11% alcohol will fuck you it up. It will fuck you up. Um... So I had to get a drink here just to calm my nerves and then and then we'll do this. Okay. <laughs>
Okay. Alan Dickman. Uh, Vin Ass Sandwich. <laughs> Emma Stoned as Fuck. <laughs> Kim Something Fucked Sex Tape. <laughs> Harrison Chevy. Is that what it's supposed to be? Harrison? Yeah. Harrison, Get it. Harrison Ford. Yeah. Okay. Harrison Corvette. No. Uh, <laughs> Jim Jim Watt. <laughs> the legend Stan Lee. Rest in peace. <laughs> um, so thank you and good night. And uh, remember, it's all fun and games until we show up. Check us out on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. We're everywhere. We all up in there. And thank you and good night. Hope you guys enjoy. Happy Rest birthday. Rest in peace, Stan Lee. You're a fucking legend, dude. Seriously. Yeah, you are a legend. You will never be forgotten. We love you. Happy birthday, AJ. Hope you like this episode. Excelsior. Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the real.